You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut to the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast. Today, we have Anaya Data from Impact Clinical Strategies Consultants. Anaya, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. I really appreciate it. Uh, so listen, why don't you start off by giving us a little bit of background about yourself, like what kind of nurse are you, and, and how did it lead to uh, this business? And I'm interested to find out more of what this business is. Absolutely. So I've been in the nursing field for about 10 years. I started out as a nurse in the ICU, in the pediatric ICU, and I worked there for about two years very early on in my career. And I just wanted to be um, a part of the patient's plan of care in a more autonomous way. And that led me to uh, seeking my nurse practitioner degree um, in New York and Columbia. And at the same time, I really wanted to have a broader lens of taking care of patients in terms of social determinants of health and incorporating a more public health standpoint. And uh, that led me to get my public health degree there as well. And then shortly after I was um, my first job as a nurse practitioner, I began my work in the emergency department um, as a nurse practitioner um, in the PZD. And I really loved it, and I still, I still am active there. Um, but as I um, noticed that there were so many operational and clinical operational um, tasks that a lot of times nurse practitioners were put on the task force to solve problems, and I really enjoyed that. Um, I felt drawn to it. And the more I um, explored this area, I realized that there's actually consultants who are paid to do this um, and paid lots of uh, money to do this in a very profitable and sustainable way. And that led me to uh, the world of nurse consulting, which I had not been introduced to before. And actually, um, Elle Pearson, she does a great, uh, great job in introducing nurse consultants nurse consultants to the field. Um, so I joined her healthcare uh, consultant academy and uh, she's been guiding me as well as a, a lot of other nurse consultants into this world um, of how to create your own business and solve these problems that we've already been solving in, in a lot of ways. Awesome. Um, so when you, when you say operational issues, like what kind of issues uh, do, you, do you guys solve or what were you solving and what does your business solve? Sure. So we focus mainly on emergency departments and urgent cares and the operational issues that we focus on um, can range from a lot of things, but mainly flow and throughput, uh, bed, bed management, um, as well as clinical operations that could be part of onboarding new um, advanced providers uh, and their role. Uh, and then just looking at efficiencies and reducing any waste that's happening um, to cause any bottlenecks in the time from the patient coming in the door to being seen um, and any quality standards or process improvement that would occur in between the two. Uh, yeah, that's, that's hard to do to kind of look at the mess of walking into an ED and saying, you know, okay, let's put all this stuff. Like, how do you, how do you even start something like that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think each 
EQB is very different in terms of how the protocols work. And with COVID, um, things have changed. You know, typically the, the issues that EDs were facing before COVID um, generally were overcrowding, you know, high wait times, um, things of that nature. And now it, it varies. Um, things are getting back to per se normal. But uh, right now there's a lot of different issues. You know, a lot of healthcare um, professionals have been furloughed. So there's a lot of issues of making sure things don't fall through the crack in the EDs and the operations um, don't miss a beat. So we would take a look, you know, at the, uh, do a thorough assessment of how things are currently working um, and what does the infrastructure look like. And we would provide recommendations on how to strengthen that infrastructure, whether it be with different personnel um, or creating ideas with the current staff. And I think that what I would like to point out is, you know, a lot of times when um, hospitals hire consultants, um, it is usually consultants who are non-clinical. Um, and while they bring a, a lot to the table, I think a good distinction between nurse consultants is that we have been nurses and that we are able to kind of get that physician and um, advanced provider buy-in in a way that non-healthcare consultants cannot do. So I think that's a key component that our company and a lot of other nurse consultant companies bring to the table. Um, okay, can you give us like a, an example of a, an operation that you were able to uh, fix? Sure, so in the ED, uh, we worked closely um, where we looked at how many advanced providers were needed. There was a task given of an onboarding of 10 providers. And prior to uh, the onboarding, there was no precedence for having a curriculum or an orientation and onboarding process that was formal. Um, and so having 10 new nurse practitioners is a pretty large task and you wanna make sure that they're set up for success. So uh, myself and um, my uh, co, I guess, co-pilot, uh, Miss Angela, we worked together on it for about three to four months to create that curriculum and also create a robust experience so that the new new grad, often uh, nurse practitioners who came to the ED, had the opportunity to go to multiple clinics and have exposure to everything that uh, the ED would consult to, um, and then have a formal competency pathway. Um, in order to have checkoffs and a mentorship program built into the orientation so that they would be set up for success at the end um, and have a more sustainable uh, model once they did finish that orientation so that they would be uh, able to succeed as independent practitioners in the UD. Okay, yeah, that sounds, that sounds awesome. Um, so how do, how do you get um, positions like this? Like how, I mean, do you just walk into EDs and, and ask to talk to somebody or how does this happen? Yeah, so a lot of this happens with, uh, you know, just first networking um, with the, the network of, of people that I've worked with. Um, I think that's the, the first thing that is the most natural and organic thing is because they know, like, and trust you. And um, I think that creates a foundation for a referral system as well as a network for yourself. Um, but a lot of the lead generation in the way in which a nurse consultants um, make themselves known or seek out opportunities is through um, LinkedIn. 
as well as just really reaching out to the healthcare executives who are the decision makers. And then a lot of times just presenting the fact that we are aware of the pain points that they're facing, especially with COVID right now, there's so many changing things. Um, and just making the decision makers aware that nurse consultants do exist. I think a lot of times it's hard uh, for them to distinguish and know how nurse consultants are different. And so just making them aware of being uh, an education um, to show them how we are different and what we bring to the table. Uh, and then just asking, you know, what are some pain points that they're facing right now? And then bringing up, you know, how we can be of service and solve these issues. Yeah, I think uh, in, inserting yourself into the conversation, I think is a big leap of confidence in yourself as well. Did you have struggle with that or were you already pretty ingrained in this? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, as nurses, a lot of times we are not aware of how many different ways we can repurpose our skill set and our knowledge base. And so prior to, you know, um, 2020, I wasn't aware that nurse consulting was a thing, to be honest. Um, and that's because uh, we're so, um, you know, kind of in our bubble as nurses sometimes and, and not aware of how many ways we can, we can, you know, repurpose our skills. So initially, um, you know, first putting myself out there, it was very scary um, to, to know, you know, kind of shifting your mindset from being an employee into an entrepreneur and then knowing that you are your brand and that um, you're representing this new kind of niche consulting and having to be confident and uh, believe in yourself. Of course, you know, that's definitely very scary at the early stages. But as I grew into this role um, and I'm still growing, you know, I'm realizing just how much power and how much um, we bring to the table in so many different ways and that there um, are so many great opportunities working with nurses and nurse practitioners um, in consulting because like I mentioned before, you know, having that clinical background is so important to be able to really point out where pitfalls and, um, you know, clinical pitfalls happen because we, we've practiced and that is a really invaluable skill. So as I, you know, took inventory of that, I definitely gained more confidence um, and understanding in this arena. Um, so how long did it take you to go from your idea to first client? Um, I would say about eight to nine months from an idea of this is, you know, something that I possibly can see myself doing to launching an LLC, creating, um, you know, everything that the infrastructure of the business and then being able to secure, secure a client. And was the first client somebody that you knew or was it somebody that you found by client lead generation? Or? It was someone I knew. So yeah, it's something that's, you know, um, you know, told to us often is that, you know, using your network is, is really powerful and important. And I, and I learned that because it's, it's really about, you know, like the like and no uh, trust factor, especially when you're solving problems of this magnitude. Um, it really makes a difference for your personal network to vouch for you and, and know your work first. Yeah, I think that's really important um, and something to really highlight here because, you know, one of the things I say a lot is just that business is who you know or who you're willing to get to know. And I think we all underestimate how long it's going to take to get to know somebody enough that they will actually hire you. 
Um, and it's not enough to just put ads in front of people. Um, do you ever do kind of like paid ads or is everything you do organic and word of mouth? Yeah, that's a, a good point. Um, so far I have not done paid ads. Uh, it's not something I'm not going to consider. I'm open to that, but I think that in this business, it's really important and the way in which lead generation really works is by building relationships and talking to decision makers and making your, your niche known, what you do known, how you solve problems known. And that only happens through conversations. And um, that's how I found most of my effective conversations to occur is through just building relationships and really genuinely wanting to know what are the challenges that decision makers are facing right now. Right. Um, and how do you insert yourself in these conversations? Are they online or they, do you call people up cold or um, what do you do? So they're mainly online. And then, um, you know, the goal is to be able to take that conversation into a discovery call and really understand what's happening in that uh, decision makers organization. So mainly they're happening, um, the lead generation occurs online. Um, cold calling, I know a few of my colleagues have done that. <laughs> I haven't been as brave to, to do that yet. <laughs> um, I'm not opposed to it, but I think it takes a very strong and confident uh, personality to, to do the, the cold calling. Um, so I'm not quite there yet to go ahead and do cold calling, but um, so far, you know, the, the receptiveness on online has been pretty great when um, I feel that decision makers feel that connection of you genuinely wanting to know um, what challenges they're facing and having an organic conversation that way um, easily translates into the next step. Okay, so how do you take somebody from, um, I guess, discovery call and then price something for them and, and get it out there? So once the discovery call um, happens, that's usually the opportunity where I learn as much as I can about the main priority of their organization at that time and what's happening to cause these pain points. And a lot of times it can be done virtually. And if it's um, something that's needed to be done in person, then um, you know we would schedule out a longer um, project time. But if it's something that's done virtually, you know, um, we would provide a proposal uh, within 72 hours. And in that time where we're providing the proposal, we would extract all of the information that we gained in the discovery call, all of the pain points and everything that would be required to improve the operations or, or, or any issue they're having. And based on um, the magnitude of the solution that we're solving, we would create a price. So I think that's um, something that, you know, I learned early on is the price is so dependent on the, the issue that you're solving um, and, and to be, you know, not sell yourself short in that manner um, because we're dealing a lot of times with healthcare organizations that have large systems. So if you're implementing one change in one ED to have a large system and you're going to be, you know, implementing that change in multiple systems to make sure you're understanding the magnitude of how the solution will improve the organization and price your packages accordingly. Yeah, I think that's really important too. And especially like, because if you lowball a price or the price is too low, the I would imagine the hospital would be thinking, you know, if they have a budget of $50,000 and you're asking for 5,000, you know, they'll be like, oh, what are we missing here? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. So, um, and so does some of that come with just trial and error or, um, 
Yes. So I think early on, um, you know, just I'm sure everyone goes through this phase where you think you're asking for too much um, and you're not really sure because a lot of this information is privately held because, you know, as nurse consultants, we're not uh, you know, openly sharing our quotes and things of that nature. Uh, so it's difficult to ascertain exactly what um, the market is charging. And then keeping in mind, you know, um, we're up against uh, our compet larger competitors, such as the McKinsey's and the Deloitte's um, that are, you know, have large teams on board. So keeping that in mind, um, but early on, you know, I did um, lower my prices um, and then I've done um, a lot of pro bono work as well uh, to create that confidence and create that um, foundation for myself as well. And then as I'm growing into this role and understanding and, and being able to gain more um, of the market research um, in the ranges by talking to other nurse consultants and understanding how the pricing works, I've been able to, I feel like, be on more on par uh, with the pricing. Okay, so is it just you or do you have like other team members that work with you? I have a few other team members um, on a contract basis. Um, so right now we're kind of, uh, you know, in that model. Um, my, my hope and goal is to be able to grow into an agency model eventually and have multiple team members in different um, areas within our niche to be able to, uh, to help the healthcare organizations in a more inclusive manner. So if you got on a phone with one of these executives and realized that the project was way out of your scope, like um, would you just hire more team members or would you tell them, refer them to somebody else or what would you do? Yeah, if it's an extremely large project or it's uh, very complicated, I would definitely take inventory of what is possible in my skill set. Um, but I have, uh, you know, no problem collaborating with other nurse consultants who ha um, have done something of, of a greater magnitude or are, you know, excellent um, mentors in this field. And I think there is a lot of collaboration that it does occur. Um, so I would definitely collaborate and uh, work closely with another nurse consultant um, in that field to be able to accomplish that. Uh, and let me, you had mentioned like the McKinsey's and stuff. And I remember um, when our hospital was going through, we're a very large hospital system, but um, they brought in, I, I don't remember what consulting company it was, but anyway, they brought in this huge consulting company, you, you know, half a million dollars uh, it's spent on this uh, to help improve processes and stuff. And we felt like they came, asked all the nurses kind of what projects they were working. And then it seemed like they took those projects and then presented them as their own. And then, you know, we're just kind of like, wait a minute, what just happened here? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. That's, um, but, you know, so is there when, so there's that kind of like suspicion of like different agencies or these consulting companies that kind of come in. Um, but I imagine you as a nurse um, might have a different reception from, from uh, the staff members. How do they feel about when you come in and, and start implementing change? Yeah, I think that, you know, um, it, it, it makes a difference to be a nurse and, and presenting yourself that way. I think that it's easier to get buy-in from the clinical staff. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, my frustrations as a clinician often was a lot of the protocols and procedures being put in place. However, our input was never taken into consideration. And that made a difference in how 
the outcome was. Um, for example, in the ED, you know, if we are changing the way we're doing um, the fast track and our input's not taken into consideration, you know, not only is there difficult to get that buy-in, but it, you don't feel a part of the team. You don't feel um, part of the decision. And so the team morale also changes. So I think that having that nursing background and being able to present yourself that way has proven so far to be advantageous for me because um, instantly there's a, a sense of trust. Now, of course, you still have to earn that trust uh, from the, the nursing as well as the clinicians, but there is a, a sense of, okay, you understand at some point, um, at some capacity. Um, so I do think that that makes a difference. And um, a lot of our work through the firm, you know, is through the lens of, of a clinician um, and really understanding the pitfalls there. So we're constantly advocating and making sure that whatever recommendations that we make really do make sense for sustainability for clinicians to, you know, take this long term. Um, because ultimately we want to create solutions that you can, you know, implement long-term. And if there's not clinician buy-in from there, then that's not helpful to the organization. So we always incorporate that into our solutions. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, and let me ask you this, because I meant to ask you this in the beginning, but um, so what is it about um, the task force that the hospital tries to put together ad hoc to solve all these problems for free? Like, where is the... The, the difference between what you do and what the NPs task force group or nurse task force are doing? So I think that a lot of times, you know, these task forces are for smaller projects or a shorter period of time. And it's, they're great because they're internal. However, the time and the implementation piece um, often, you know, um, falls apart because nurse practitioners often are not given that separate time or admin or uh, project time to really implement these changes. So, you know, a lot of times we, um, in the task forces, we're creating these recommendations, but then what happens to it? You know, who is carrying these changes out? Who is analyzing the, the data on how it's working and who is providing the reevaluations? So there's not a long-term sustainability piece to that. And I think that's often what's missing. And it's not because there's not a desire, it's because the capability of not having enough time or manpower to do it, that's usually the missing piece. And that's where we come in and create that gap and fill that gap. Yeah, and I, I think having somebody oversee everything and just being the person that's in charge um, is really, really important because <laughs> it does mm -hmm. fall apart very easily. And we've had that in my own company where like nobody was owning a process and I'm like, why isn't this getting done? And it's just because like nobody's owning it, right? So exactly. putting somebody in charge of it makes all the difference. Exactly. Um, all right, so um, what do you love most about this? I love that, um, the freedom, I love the freedom of being able to, you know, present myself to the clients and choose my own clients um, that I want to work with and that align with our core values and, and what's important to me. Um, and I love that we are able to solve problems and really provide and prioritize things for health organizations who are really looking to improve um, their operations and make the workplace a better environment. Um, I think that that's made a really big difference in honestly um, re-engaging my hope for the healthcare um, system. You know, as a clinician, a lot of times I, I found myself to be burned out. 
And so I still wanted to be a part of healthcare and solve problems. I just didn't know how. And I feel like this role has really fulfilled that for me is that I'm still able to contribute as a, as a healthcare provider in a different role and a repurposed role. Um, so I, I feel very gratified through that um, experience as well. But the main thing is just really understanding um, at the end of the day, our value as nurses and nurse practitioners. I really feel like this year has taught me that more than anything. And this role um, continues to you know, strengthen that understanding. So I really appreciate the, that I ran into this role and that um, so far I've really enjoyed it. That's awesome. So what advice would you give for nurses that are interested or thinking about doing something along the consulting line? To do it, to really um, take inventory of what areas do you really feel passionate about problem solving and that you probably already are problem solving and troubleshooting in your current role. You just don't know that you can get paid for it and create your own business. Um, so to really, you know, take a look and see for the next few years, what do you want to do? Um, and how do you want to utilize your time? Do you want to be at the bedside? Do you want to do other things? And if you do, this is a great field to explore because um, it's not really known to us, but it does exist. And the more you know, nurses that are aware of how we can repurpose our skills, the stronger that this consulting field will be. So yeah, definitely. If there's an, any inkling that you have of wanting to do um, consulting or solve problems and healthcare challenges, this is a great field to really look into um, and, uh, you know, get a better understanding of how you can step aside from bed, uh, bedside and still, still be, have your hands in solving problems in healthcare organizations. Great. Um, so how can people get in touch with you or find out more about what you're doing? Sure. So um, people can contact me via email. My uh, email is ananya, A-N-A-N-Y-A, at impactclinicalstrategy.com. And um, you can visit my website, which is soon to launch, impactclinicalstrategy.com. And I would love to connect with you and talk to you. And if you have any questions, feel free to email me. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Katie. I really appreciate it.